It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R E L. Be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. It is Opponent Wednesday for the Cincinnati Bengals. And Joe Goodberry from Bengals Wire is here to break down all things Cincinnati Bengals. Before we get to that, I want to remind you about the giveaway that we're doing with Pro Football Focus. We are giving away an Edge subscription that gets you player grades, snap counts, position ranks, and fantasy data that you can't find anywhere else. The fantasy data especially is is so helpful to putting together your lineups There is so much information that you can use there. All you have to do to enter is go to iTunes, go to Lockdown Packers, leave a review, and in the review, put your Twitter handle. I'd prefer a good review. I'd prefer a positive review. I'd prefer all the stars. But it's not a prerequisite. You can say whatever you want as long as your Twitter handle is in there. And we're going to pick someone once a week. If you want more of... The Pro Football Focus info, especially as it relates to fantasy. Jeff Ratcliffe joins Locked On Fantasy every Thursday. And Mike Renner will be joining Locked On NBA every Wednesday. So there are a ton of places where you can get this information in terms of the insight that Pro Football Focus offers you. But get your own subscription. Be your own person. And it will enlighten you in ways that you didn't think it was possible. Okay, maybe not, but it's a cool thing, and it, it is something that, that I use when I am writing my articles, when I'm doing breakdowns, when I'm doing analysis. You'll see it a lot on my Twitter feed. There's just so much information when 22 guys are on the field at once. There's a lot happening, and it's hard to keep track, and so it's nice that, that there's a website that pays people to keep track of it for you. It is Wednesday. It's still It's still early on. We were... Not going to expect a lot of updates when it comes to Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, and Mike Daniels. Right now, it looks like those guys are going to be game-time decisions. Hopefully, in the next day or two, we will learn more about David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga and their status for this game. 
I said it yesterday. If those guys play, the rest of the injuries are are far less concerning to me because we've seen Aaron Rodgers against good teams, but we've certainly seen him against bad teams play with less than 100% of his skill players and still play well. He's still Aaron Rodgers. I think what you're going to find is a Ty Montgomery-heavy game this week. The Bengals have slow linebackers. They have they have a good front four, and they have good safeties. But I think you're going to see a lot of Ty Montgomery in the running game. I think you're going to see him a lot in the passing game. And he is going to be the blanket for Aaron Rodgers, especially if Nelson and Cobb can't go. He is the way that you challenge the soft spot of the Bengals' defense. And if Randall Cobb were healthy, I think you'd see him in the backfield a lot this week as well. And even if Randall Cobb isn't healthy, I think you'll see Devontae Adams. Remember in in the Falcons matchup last year when Cobb got hurt, they used Devontae Adams in the backfield the way that they used Cobb and the way that they used Montgomery before he became an actual running back. I think the Packers are going to find ways to get linebackers and safeties on guys who shouldn't be covering linebackers and safeties. I don't know if we'll see the three tight end sets that we saw against Atlanta to cover up for the tackles if Bulaga and Bakhtiari or or even just one of those guys is healthy enough to play, but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. The Packers used formation to their advantage a lot against Atlanta, and it, it was really a, a couple bad penalties and a couple bad drops away from being a really good offensive game. The game plan from Mike McCarthy was very good. I went back last night and watched the All-22. There's a lot of good stuff in this game plan from Mike McCarthy. They had a big play dialed up at one point, and you have your offensive tackle who's making his first ever NFL start, making getting his first ever NFL action. He gets beat. Ty Montgomery does not bring enough help to that side. This really, frankly, doesn't do an adequate job blocking. And they lose the opportunity at a big play. I know the final score was discouraging to a lot of Packer fans. And that's fair. But the game, I think, it hinged on a couple breaks going the wrong way for the Packers. And and that's, that's the difference in a lot of games. That was the difference in this game. But we're going to move on. We're going it's, to, it's a new week. It's the Cincinnati Bengals this week, and the Packers have a chance to go to 2-1. and one. They have a chance to go to 2-0 and oh at home, and, and this is what they talk about every year. We got to win our eight at home, and we got to split on the road. That's 12 wins. So they have a chance to go to 2-0 and oh against a, what is really a, an inferior opponent this week. And to talk about that opponent, we have Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He is a, a fountain of knowledge especially as it relates to the Bengals on Twitter. And and I highly recommend that you follow him. If you follow him just this week on a trial basis, just so you can get Bengals info, I have a feeling you will continue to do so. He is also a great person to follow around NFL draft time. He's insightful. And there are a few people who, who know this team better. He is someone that that will will be fair and unbiased as best he can be as best as anyone can be, frankly, about their team. And you can you can find his work on the bank, at the Bengals Wire, which is a USA Today site. Joe, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thanks for having me, Peter. 
So the first two weeks haven't gone great for Cincinnati. That's fair to say, yes. <laughs> Against two teams I thought they could have beaten coming into the year. Yeah, for to you know, pretty much have your worst offensive performance in history to start a season, that's not how you want to start the year. And it seems like it all comes back to the offensive line play. Yeah, and that's the that was the concern going into the season, I think, for everyone. that uh, The line on paper, um, and what they showed last year, too, because it wasn't a good unit, and then you lose Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler, easily their two best linemen, uh, two of their best players on the team. Um, and you really don't replace them. You, you go with the guys that are on the roster. So heading into the year, you're looking at it, and you say, this unit is bad enough to derail the entire the entire offense, the entire team this, this season. And um, so far, it has done just that. But also, there's been more to it, obviously, when the offensive coordinator can't scheme around it and can't find other ways to, to move the ball effectively. Uh, we've seen Ken Zampezi was fired the other day. So yes, the offensive line is the first area where we point a finger, but I think coordinator and quarterback has been just as big of, a, of an issue. Do you, I mean, the running game, there was a lot of talk about this running game coming into the season. How big a role would Joe Mixon play? Would would Giovanni Bernard have as big a role if Mixon can play that dual threat player? And, and what do you do with Jeremy Hill, who had been productive in the past for the Bengals? Is it just that the offensive line has totally submarined any chance this team could run the ball? No, not completely. Uh, while they've been bad, I think the entire offense as a whole is dysfunctional right now. And, and when you're only having three, four, five play drives and then punting or turning it over, uh, you're not getting in any type of rhythm. You're not you're not able to sustain a long drive that's really going to get everyone involved. And especially at running back, it looks like they're getting a little bit frustrated with the three of them uh, because the touches are inconsistent. The snaps are inconsistent. They're getting... Um, Giovanni Bernard is always the third down back. He's always the shotgun back. So he's going to get his snaps, and right now he's leading. I think he almost has double uh, Mixon snaps at this point. Uh, but the Mixon-Hill split for carries is without rhyme and reason so far. Hill's getting that first series because the Bengals like to label him as a starter, but then you may not see Hill again for five, six, seven series. Uh, you may see Mixon sparingly in there, and they ask him to do a little bit of a mix between Hill and Geo, where he can do some of the past things, and he, he'll, he'll run it from shotgun. He'll run it behind a fullback on from when Dalton's under center and do a little power stuff. Uh, but again, they when they choose to use him and when they don't choose to use him, it kind of is baffling everybody right now, and and they look frustrated. I I don't think I've seen a running back get more than two touches in a row without being pulled off the field. It could be two plays and then they're off, and uh, I just don't see how that's that's effective. And and currently it isn't. I understand that Marvin Lewis is a defensive guy, but ultimately, you know, the responsibility is his to make sure the team is hitting on all cylinders. How much of of the blame has to fall at his shoulders when the offense? is failing like this and it is things like you mentioned that there's no you know things that are easily recognizable like these running backs can't get in a rhythm if they can't get more than one or two snaps in a row I think a lot falls on him obviously after 15 years um, different teams different players different coaches the same trends have continued 
Uh, and that uh, that's rotating guys, too, to talk about it. He's had an issue his whole time here, whether it's at defensive back where he, he's never found a way to get the backups into the game, uh, defensive line it, where he leans on the, the same guys too much and they're worn out to the end of the year, and then to running back. He's never been able to get to that third running back on the depth chart ever. If you look at the, the history of the Bengals for 15 years now, uh, that third guy may see 30 touches all year. And I think right now that's Jeremy Hill. He's getting 10 to 12 snaps a game. Uh, and he has—he's been the least effective over the last handful of years, so that makes sense. But at the same time, uh, when the entire team really doesn't play with confidence, shows up uh, going through the motions in a game that even early as week two, as we saw against the Texans, was a must-win and a chance to win towards the end, uh, they just seem dysfunctional and they just seem disorganized and without the fire. And I think a lot of it has to do with not having Vontez perfect in there those first couple weeks and not in third week. Also now he'll be suspended. He really changes how they, the swagger, the energy of not only the defense, but the entire team. So I think when you can't rely on your head coach to be that guy, that's going to get everyone amped up get everyone playing um, beyond maybe their capabilities it goes to maybe the quarterback or the strongest-willed guy on the defense. And for the Bengals, you got Andy Dalton. He's not going to get hot. He's not going to get fired up. He's not going to get everyone you know, in the right position. He's not going to be the guy yelling at everyone. It comes to Vontez Perfect, and he's not on the field. So right now, they're going through the game like zombies. So it does fall on the head coach. A lot of it does. Yeah, I want. I was going to make an Andy Dalton red hair joke, but I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to pass on that. Um, if if you were the offensive coordinator this week and you're facing a Packers team that might not have Mike Daniels, which would be pretty pretty huge given the way yeah. the offensive line for Cincinnati has looked, but given what we know about this past defense and some of the struggles that they've had, how how would you attack Dom Capers defense if you were calling the shots for the Bengals? That's tough. Um, like you said, without Daniels, if he plays or not, um, and having the secondary the way the last few years for the for the Packers has has been getting you know beaten at will. Um, I think the Bengals need to f- make an identity regardless of who they're playing against right now. And, and I'd say that since Hugh Jackson left, I don't really know what they are. They're not really yeah. a spread it out type of team. They're not really a power running team like they you know maybe they were. Uh, back in the day before Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden was a little bit more creative. Hugh Jackson took it even to another level with a lot of run-pass options and, and package plays, and those kind of went away. Uh, I don't really don't know what the Bengals are. Now you're getting Bill Lazor in. He was a Chip Kelly kind of guy, and is he going to bring some of that? Can you bring some of that in nine days? Uh, probably not. Maybe maybe a few plays here or there. But if for me, the way their personnel is and their strengths and weaknesses, they should be a team that likes to spread it out uh, and create mismatches before the snap. And, and that includes guys with Tyler Eifert, obviously A.J. Green, John Ross, you got to get him on the field, Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon. You have weapons. you got to find a way to isolate them, help them win, get them in situations that are advantageous before the snap. It seems they have run with two different offenses right now. I think that was the biggest uh, complaint with Ken Zampezi, is they had a... Dalton under center, Jeremy Hill in the backfield behind a fullback offense that was 10 to 15 plays, and then they had their passing offense. And it became too transparent to defenses that knew exactly what they were doing. You brought Jeremy Hill in the game, you got um, Andy Dalton under center, 
I'm going to guess it's a run play, and it's almost 90%. And if it's not, it's play action deep, which is good and makes sense because that's how you get defenses. But they really weren't falling for it. And I think without another speed guy outside of A.J. Green on the other side, without using John Ross, defenses didn't care if they were going to go play action to Green because they got two, maybe sometimes three guys, as we saw on uh, the Thursday night game where A.J.'s best best play so far of the season was a ball just chucked up and he catches over three defenders. That's their offense right, right now. So... For me, they need to get more to get back to quick passes, back to easier stuff. Right now, if you watch the first two weeks, there were no easy plays. There were no gimme plays. The good offenses have these simple four or five yard pass routes uh, or plays that work almost every time, and they're not there to, you know, score. It's there to move the ball and get and have those easy options. And right now, when you have a bad offense, and it's just not the Bengals. You look around the league, bad yeah. offenses struggle to do the easy things well, and that's been the Bengals. One of the things that Mike Lombardi says about the Bengals' offense is they don't ha- they don't run an offense; they run plays. Yeah, and I, I think you really just described it, and and you did talked about their identity. And this is a criticism that I've had for the Packers' defense, coincidentally, for a couple years now. And I, I the the Bengals are sort of lucky in this game that they get to play a defense with no identity while their offense has no identity because I don't know if the Packers defense, um, I don't know if they're a man team, I don't know if they're a zone team because they could be one on one playing one on the other and they don't do either particularly well. Right. And it's so it's it's one of those things where it's sort of um, weakness will meet weakness this week. But on the other side of the ball for the Bengals. They've invested heavily in the last two years in the front seven, especially um, this year, two guys on the edge, Carl Lawson and and Jordan Willis. They bring back Michael Johnson a few years ago. Andrew Billings does not play to his potential last year, but it seems like they want to get him more involved this year. How, how would you assess what's going on with their front seven right now? They've gotten much younger, much faster, more athletic. Um, one guy I don't want to miss there is Chris Smith. They gave a seventh mm-hmm. round pick to the Jags. He was kind of playing like the Leo for them in Jacksonville. They really didn't have a spot for him, didn't know what to do with him. He flashed every preseason, but come regular season, Jags didn't know what to do with him. As typical with the Jags, they've been dysfunctional, so it makes sense. Uh, Bengals get him in the offseason. He's been very, very, very good for them. They play him on the edge. They kick him inside a nickel as the, as another interior rusher, which allows them to do a lot of stunts and, and twists with their defensive line. Um, we Like you said, you mentioned Lawson and Willis. That adds speed. It adds athleticism, athleticism. While neither one is probably the complete package, I think together that's a really good young defensive end that, that's helped out a lot so far in the first two games. The defense has been very good. Uh, I think they're at, they're allowing 104 yards passing per game now, uh, averaging for the first two weeks. So, that's fantastic. It can't, that can't continue, but obviously playing the Ravens and the Texans, you, you should have a good pass defense after the first two weeks, and they do. Um, Andrew Billings hasn't seen the snaps at nose tackle I would would have liked to have seen after missing the, the entire rookie year with a knee injury. I think it was microfracture. Uh, they are bringing them along. Which is not great. Microfracture is like the most feared word in sports. It is not great. And I think they're giving him two years. He had his year off last year. So far, he's got 24 snaps in in two games. So they're just giving him a a handful of snaps here and there. Surprisingly, Ryan Glasgow was playing over him, which was a fifth-round pick out of Michigan. And Glasgow's looked really, really good. Uh, And 
he's he's played double the snaps as, of Andrew Billings. He's not really a traditional nose tackle in the 330-pound mold. He's not really a three-tech either. I don't know what he's going to be or what he is right now, but he <laughs> seems to make football plays, and you can never have enough of those guys. So on that defensive line, they're younger, they're faster than they've been. They turned a weakness, which was the edge pass rushing and the edge athleticism, into a strength this offseason. And for a team that had a poor offseason, uh, they really nailed that, and, and, and I think they, they fixed an issue. The teams that give this Packers offense problems are the teams that can get pressure with four and can be at least okay playing man across the board. They don't have a, a player that can make the Bengals linebackers look as slow as they are. So in some ways, this is sort of the the another team, and they've seen two the Packers have in the first two weeks, that match up pretty well with an offense that should be really good this year. Yeah, and the Bengals do rush four almost exclusively. They will blitz once in a while, and they will show blitz almost every single play. So that's the thing. It's picking it up. It's it's recognizing it pre-snap. They love the Mike Zimmer Vikings defense. Put two gaps, two uh, linebackers in the A gap. Show that. Make you block inside out first, and hopefully they get a free rusher out of it. And it, it's happened here or there, but the, they drop their guys almost every time. So the effectiveness of that has uh, has fallen off a little bit since Zimmer has left. But the defensive unit has still been pretty good. Uh, they'll drop everyone into coverage. They will play a lot of zone, but they will man it up too. So I, I think they really like Pac-Man in man coverage. They, they prefer Drake Kirkpatrick in zone. They really like uh, William Jackson in man coverage. They prefer, prefer Darquez Denard and Josh Shaw and Nickel in zone. So they will even do a half and half with a half zone, half man. I, they're comfortable doing that, and I think the secondary has talent, even though they make mistakes. So far, Denard as the nickel guy, he's had opportunities to really win games. He had a pick six early in in the game um, against the Texans that was dropped, and then he he missed the tackle on Deshaun Watson on that forty nine yard run. That really those two plays are the difference in the game. But he's his coverage has been fine. He's just made some bonehead errors in his first two starts of his career, to be honest, in year three. It shouldn't take that long to, to get starts, but that's where he is at this point. And then they did, gave William Jackson, I believe it was 28 snaps the, that first year, uh, replacing Pac-Man Jones while he was suspended. And then they don't give him anything in week two. And I think that's a problem because he looked really good that first week. He looked really good in camp and preseason. I believe he can help this team. they got to find a way to get him on the field. And so far, Kirkpatrick has been very, very good at the other corner spot. Pac-Man still is a good player, um, even though he can be beat because he's over-aggressive. He is still a very good player. And I love their their safeties. And not only their starters in Sean Williams and George Iloka, I think the depth-wise of, of Clayton Fagellum, Josh Shaw, and Deron Smith, well, Packers fans may not recognize those guys. They have all played and played snaps and have started in the past and done their job very, very well. The Bengals really like those guys. Uh, they feel like they can start any of them and not miss a beat. And that includes, you know, that's in consider- consideration that they have two pretty good young starters in Iloka and Williams. How do you think the Bengals are going to treat Ty Montgomery? Because teams this year um, have have treated him like a running back. That's what he is. But when they split him out, there's been struggles by both the Seahawks and the Falcons to cover him out of the backfield. So what what is the, what is the way that the Bengals will handle that, and is it the way that they should handle it? I don't have an answer for that because I think everyone is going to struggle with Ty Montgomery. And I, every defense, we've seen it so far through two weeks, 
And it's because he's turned into a really good running back. And it's hard not to treat him like a running back because if you don't, they will run it down your throat. And he will break tackles and make guys miss. And he will churn out yardage uh, after contact. And he's become a really good runner. And then the Packers will split him out, as they do with all their guys. They love to go empty and, and, and split out tight ends and running backs. I think at that point, then the Bengals will have done this or seen this some with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers and Duke Johnson with the with the Browns. Um, they will tend to go into his own coverage if you're going to do that. And from there, they'll say, okay, whoever's on him, you know, play your zone the best you can and try and, you know... <laughs> get to the pass at that point, get to get the pass rush there. Um, it's been varying degrees of success. You know how zone can be. If you don't get there, those those gaps in the zones, those windows start widen as the play goes and Aaron Rodgers can buy time and, and move in the pocket. Um, that's when I think the backers have their best chance to, to beat the Bengals in and, and exploit them a little bit. Joe, why don't you tell the audience where they can find some of your work? You should follow Joe, by the way, on Twitter first and foremost because he has a lot of great analysis on there. But But go ahead. Yeah, Twitter's where I post most of my stuff because I think Bengals all the time. I think football all the time. If something pops in my mind, it's not worthy of a post. I'll just throw it up on Twitter real fast. But I have been writing this this season, uh, and, and this time it's at BengalsWire at USA Today or .USA Today .com. Um, it's there. They have a blog for every single team, so I post a couple times there a day for the long stuff that doesn't fit on Twitter. But if if you follow me on Twitter, you'll find most of my other work uh, from there. And you can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, spelled just the way you think it should be. Thanks for coming on Lockdown Packers, Joe. Thanks for having me, Peter. I want to thank Joe Goodberry again for joining Lockdown Packers. He is he really is a great I mean, you heard it. He knows this team inside and out, and he he has unique insight into into what they want to do and what they're going to try to do. I think he he made a great point and, and I I hope you use it. In, in the way you watch the game on Sunday, when Jeremy Hill and a fullback or even Joe Mixon and a fullback are in the game, how often is Cincinnati running the ball? Is this the offense he's describing? I suspect it will be. Is it still so disjointed? Maybe they'll try and get creative. But as he mentioned, Ken Zampezi was fired. Hugh Jackson is the coach of the Browns now. He left several years ago. He was the driving force in the creativity of that offense. It hasn't been the same over the last few years. Are we going to suddenly see an injection of creativity? I doubt it. So do they tip their hand offensively? And and this identity question is big. I wrote about it for SB Nation this week for Acme Packing Company. What is the Packers' identity? Can they find one? And can Kevin King and Josh Jones inject some identity into this team. Those are things we're going to be looking for as we move forward. Tomorrow, Thursday, we will have our final preview of the week, offer a prediction, and and break down what the game should look like when the Packers have the ball and when the Bengals have the ball. We want to get down and dirty, and, and hopefully by then we'll have a better understanding of what the injury situation is. If we don't, and if on Friday... There are some announcements about who is going to play and who isn't. We will hop on and have an emergency pod. So I just want to make you aware of that. Keep an eye out for that. Any week that it looks like we could get injury information on a Friday and there are big injuries to be concerned about or to be worried about or to be wondering about, I'm going to try and and maybe do just a shortened show 
but we just talk about the injuries and what it's going to mean if they if they play if they don't play. So that means you're going to have to keep an eye out on Friday, which means you'll have to do what you should always be doing, and that is staying locked on Packers. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.